these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. Oh my gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. Right now, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not very impressed. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. Senors. You know what it is? It's a dimly lit room. Where is it? Deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty communications compound. And I'll tell you what. Is it Thursday? It is Thursday. It's Thursday. And today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The post-impeachment era. Which begins soon. They're still jabbering about it. I was wondering if we could do a show that included no impeachment, no State of the Union, and no Kobe Bryant. Would that be possible? Because mm. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not least... sure an information outlet could survive without those three stories. We've got to talk about Mitt a little bit. Um, Saint Mitt of Utah. You know, I was thinking about my uh, my day yesterday, which I think is a common sort of day for normal people. At work, doctor's appointment for one member of the family. Then a uh, a band concert in the evening. Yes. There not, was not like a rock and roll band. Uh, no. You know. My son's a right. cello fourth grade thingy. Right. Which leaves no time for any other foolishness of the world. Uh, yeah. yeah. Beltway personality dust-ups and stuff like that. That's why most people don't talk about that stuff. They've get, they're, they're living their lives and, ha- and are completely unaware of them. Oh, that's pathetic. They're stupid. They need to throw aside their, their their families and their careers and their friends and their neighbors and focus on national politics all the time. That's the way to be happy, fools. Um, I just came across this as I was walking in, so it stuck in my mind. Have you seen Shannon Doherty on every show that exists talking about her cancer this week? I've seen a heck of a lot of her uh, picture about so she is um uh she's about 50 years old and uh, she was a big star for a lot of people in our you know our audience back in the day on 90210 why is she going on all these shows talking about her cancer according to state farm insurance she's trying to get state farm to pay off her house oh. this is an actual court document the california wildfires burnt down her house okay. and she's trying to garner sympathy According to State Farm Insurance, by going all the on all these shows talking about her cancer, uh, oh. and I got to admit, when I saw yesterday, I thought, why? Because I saw her on like the Today Show and Good Morning America, and I thought, so you got in a Uber, went across town to go to the other show there in New York to talk about having cancer? Yeah, why are you going in on all these shows to talk about your cancer? She's according to State Farm, she's just trying to make people feel bad for her, so that she, so that the, the, a jury will announce State Farm has to pay off her her house. Did not see that one coming. No, okay. is that a thing? I I I guess. Hmm. I might have to employ that in the future. I don't know. I the world is so weird. The now. world is I just, weird. I don't. I don't have the patience anymore. I'm checking out. Goodbye, sweet world. Was that a cry for help? Not really. Label this podcast segment Joe's cry for help. No, I'm good. I'm good. Generally when people say I'm checking out of this world, goodbye cruel world. Goodbye cruel world. Yes, uh, it's a no, I'll just not be here one day, and everybody will wonder, and briefly, and, and uh, you know. So you have a new theory on the president? I do. I believe it was uh, interesting. I was walking in this morning, and uh, 
And Positive Sean, producer and uh, one of the news editors around here, were in the lunchroom watching the TV, and I had two thoughts as I walked past. I wonder why they're watching the TV, and my God, the president looks orange. (laughs) And then I I went around the corner and was able to hear the conversation, and it was essentially, they were discussing, positive Sean, am I correct, how orange the president is. He looks particularly orange today. And it is my belief that his orangeness rises and falls with his approval rating. So he's got his all-time high Gallup approval rating at 49%, and you think that makes him more orange. It's like a thermometer. I'm not sure a thermometer, a chameleon, I don't know. I'm not exactly... I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the science is yet. We're only in the preliminary stages of our investigation. It's but. like a mood ring. Yeah, I wonder if a person could go back, because sometimes he looks way less orange, I assume, when he hasn't hit the tanning bed in a while. Or, or the, Sean's theory is some sort of bronzer, some I, sort of uh, I was you know, just using skin that as, treatment. As shorthand, for it could be the tanning bed. I just like the phrase bronzer. Uh, so I, I don't know if he's actually using the creams or not. But. Right, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I've always assumed that he's got a tanning bed that he uses regularly. Although, if he had a tanning bed in the White House, you just thought that would have leaked out as a, uh, a mockable story for the Trump-hating world. Well, if private conversations with world leaders leak out, yeah, you would think that would have. He does have kind of the the circle, like the the unorange areas around his eyes where the goggles would go if he was doing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a guy who a, a used to lay bed. in tanning yeah. beds, I'm, I'm not proud to say. Um, uh, yeah, that is the look you get on your eyeballs. But I would have thought it would have leaked. He'd have to do it in the White House, wouldn't he? He can't uh, be going across Mirago? I suppose he could. Does he go there often enough to use their tanning bed? Uh, By the way, uh, back to the question of the president's tanning in a moment. He has been acquitted by the Senate in the impeachment trial and will continue in office. Uh (laughs) But you would you would not apply bronzer to your eyelids either. So it couldn't it be the same same thing? I mean, the same cause. Anybody text or lost interest in my own conversation? Do you use bronzer? Does it leave your eyes white? Unless you put it on your eyelids. 415-295-KFTC. Well, it is also my understanding that one of the more new wave ways to do this is a spray tan, where you essentially stand inside of a, a shower curtain. I did and, that once. And you would put the same sort of goggles on, and they just kind of hit right. you with the with a yeah. power washer. Yeah. I did that once. It happened to be the day I, was, I had front row seats for an NBA game. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and boy. I, and I went to the game completely uh, orange with the palms of my hands being orange. Wow. And I remember I was really... Uh, Oh. I was meeting all these important people and shaking hands with orange hands. You were literally a man of color. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourselves. I was at that time a man and of color. And that color was orange. Uh-huh. Yes. But I would think if he had a tanning bed in the White House, somebody would have leaked out of the very room Lincoln and Stanton used to discuss strategy for an upcoming Civil War battle. Oh, yes. now a tanning bed. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that line yesterday from the WAPO about Rush Limbaugh getting the uh, Medal of Freedom, joining Rosa Parks and... Who was the other one? I can't Mother remember. Teresa. Mother Teresa. Is this appropriate? Yeah, and Doris Day and Kobe Bryant and Tiger Woods and all sorts of goofy people. So maybe it's the same room Bill Clinton got Hummers from an intern that he's got a tanning bed. Is that right. better or worse? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, pretty good. I'm, I know your son, Sam, had a uh, cello concert yes. last night, so I'm trying to figure out what songs he did. I'm hoping he did something ironic, Billy Joel's Piano Man or something along on the cello. That'd be on the fun. cello, yeah, or Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street, you know, which has a lot of sax, but it's on a cello. So. <laughs> yes. you now something tells me it was hopping along. Dun, 
that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a variety of running up and down the scales and learning about rests. Very good. What was interesting is that, so you had the beginning students, and uh, they were what they were, but then you had the next year students who were strikingly better. Ah, yes. And then the third year students that were miles away from the first year students. One might say musicians. So, yeah, it was, was, you know, that kind of music. That's great. How kids can grow in something over time. And then by the time they get to high school, it's actually really entertaining. I can believe it. I mean, not just entertaining, because look at the progress. I love my kid. I'm proud. No, actually, you're entertained. Wow. Which is great. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Uh, on the home box office, I saw the first episode. I guess this is going to be a multiple-part thing of the McMillions kind of documentary where they go over how the McDonald's Monopoly game did not have a legitimate big prize winner for the first, I don't know, 12, 13 years that it ran its contest. And it is a really interesting look at how the FBI, especially kind of in the pseudo-pre-internet days, uh, would have to kind of go about unraveling a conspiracy and an investigation and where's where are the cracks, where can we put an undercover in, where's the where's the you know, just the, the thought process and all the just guys in rooms and women. There are women in the uh, agency now too. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Uh but how they just figure all this stuff out and they really just kind of say, all right, well, this is our plan. we got to go try to catch these guys. That's on the HBO? Yeah, yeah, HBO. It's called McMillions. Uh, it's about the people that gamed the system and got millions of dollars out of the McDonald's monopoly. Yes, game, yeah. yes. And there is a particular FBI agent that I can only distri- describe as a character. And he almost makes the whole thing worth it, just his, because it's a lot of just interviews and then reenactments about uh-huh. what happened. Uh, but his personality and his kind of quirkiness, and he was kind of the young guy who went undercover and, uh, but it's really, it was quite compelling. Uh, it's all, it's an hour long. I'm not sure when the, the next episodes will release. Oh, it's but a series. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's I supposed guess. to be fantastic. I'm sure ideas. McDonald's would ever have anything to do with anything that's not good for me. <laughs> I'm just so disappointed. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On Thursday, February 6th, the year 2020, where Armstrong and Getty and we approve of this program. It's like the clown kicked me in the crotch with his enormous red shoes. It does seem like they always have your best interest in mind. Right! That's why this is so shocking. That's what I assume when I walk in there. They Our, sell meals whose sole purpose is just to make you happy. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Exactly. You know what that is? That's kindness. Let's begin the show now officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Uh, lay down your tanning bed and your little uh, underpants at Mark. Woo! I'm wearing about half the beers I've been trying to drink, baby. It's been a long time coming, because what did we do? We had to fight for our right to party. And what we do, we unleash a can of whoop ass on everybody. And who was that? <laughs> that, that? That was Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs at their Super Bowl victory parade. There you go. Wow. Uh, having a good time. Young man having a good time. Congratulations, Kansas City, on having a police chase and apprehension at gunpoint in your victory parade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I want to wow. hear more about that. Yeah. How does mail bag look? Oh, it's very nice. Little this, little that, some shocking news. Shocking news. You'll repeat to everybody you know. We got another one of those stories about uh, college students upset about a professor using a certain phrase and what that means for American political correctness. Those, those stories are always entertaining. And the latest news of the day, all in the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
Oh, by the way, another story I want to get to. Kirk Douglas was a dick. So any of this... So so any of this glowing golden era Hollywood BS, just give me a break. (laughs) I hate celebrity worship. We are not the mainstream media. (laughs) No, I hate celebrity worship anyway. I mean, even if he was a decent guy and he made a bunch of movies... Why go nuts? He's an actor. Yeah, big deal. There's some doctor, cardiologist, saved a thousand lives. He just passed away in western Wisconsin. Nobody gives a crap. Quit with the hero worship of celebrities. It's unhealthy. Did you see my text to you guys? Kirk Douglas is dead at 103. This is why I hate cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, he smoked three packs a day at one point. But uh, he lived to be 103, so you can't say don't smoke. I mean, yes, you can. Off of him, you can't. Anyway, uh, from his own autobiography, coming up later, a why he's a jerk. Mailbag. I'm going to go with this quote from James Madison for our freedom-loving quote of the day. The advancement and diffusion of knowledge is the only guardian of true liberty. Hmm. Ooh, boy, knowledge. Knowledge is good. Knowledge is good. Kirk Douglas, bad. <laughs> I tell you what, but getting facts that would count as knowledge in the modern world, not easy. Yeah, that's a good point. And I would also suggest that James Madison would agree with me that if the government becomes so vast, so complex, and involved with every facet of our lives, it is an impossibility for a president much less a senator, much less a congressman, much less a citizen, to have the knowledge it takes to properly manage that government. It is undoable. We have created a monster that now governs us. End of screen. Moving along. Here's a nice note from uh, Garrett. He says, Joe, it's because of your discussions on jury duty that I look forward to the next time I get a notice. Hmm. I believe jury duty is not only a sacred constitutional right, but it's one of the most interesting things you will ever do. Yes, it is stressful. It screws up your schedule. It, uh, I get it. I could, Believe me, I get it. Um, but it's also a fascinating experience, and if you've ever been on a jury, you know lots and lots of really stupid people are on juries. And if you're an unstupid person, you really owe it to the defendant and the prosecution well, and you hear, to, to serve. You hear some of these awards that people get, and you think, why did somebody get that much money for this? Or how did they get? Be, how were they found guilty for that problem? Well... Because a jury says so. Because you don't go to jury duty, that's why. Yeah. And maybe you think, well, I'm never going to need jury duty, but how about your brother, your wife, your kid, when they get older and they get in a situation where they're in front of a jury of idiots? I I tell you what, the last trial I was on, well, let's do some bonus mailbag later because I want to tell the story. The last trial I was on was a young man accused of domestic violence. And how much do I want to get into this? That's a perfect example. Well, it is. Turns out he was dating completely crazy hot chick who the prosecution put on their case, and it. I was like, how long can we put this guy in jail for? And then the defense put on their case, and it turned out 
Number one, this woman had just no injuries in spite of what she claimed. And number two, she lies about everything, according to her family, according to her friends, according to him. No, nobody, they couldn't find a person in the United States of America who would vouch for this woman's honesty. Her friends and, and family testified that she's a liar. And, yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. Up and her mom was on the stand saying, you can't believe a word she says. So you're going to send this guy to jail who made the mistake of uh, going out with a hot chick. Not knowing she's a crazy person. Well, and there are, I have run into, since I've been on a number of juries, I have run into, like, uh, social justice warrior types who would be so hardcore on, you've got to believe the woman. Otherwise, all women, the history of the oppression of women, and they wouldn't care a bit about the facts of the case. Um, and generally, they try to screen those people before, but I've, I've dealt with people that irrational. This guy, at best, would have gotten a hung jury and maybe tried again. So just just do it. Anyway, oh, that's scary. Garrett writes on, uh, love your portmanteaus. I think relieve appointed is a good word. I said I was relieve appointed that, that I didn't have to go in and do another trial. Both relieved and disappointed. Disrelieved would have made me chuckle, too. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love a good portmanteau. That's the, uh, that's the pylon you tie your boat to, right? The portmanteau? Yes, I believe that's correct. <laughs> uh, we'll bring you the news of the day next. We'll tell you what's going on in the world. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I am not going to sugarcoat it. We took a gut punch in Iowa. Oh, you hate to take a gut punch. That's Joe Biden took a gut punch. Oh, right. Especially at his age. Hey, I'm 80 years old. Who's punching me in the stomach? That's what took out Houdini. Exactly. Funny way, talking about that with my kids just the other day. The voters of Iowa punching an old man in the stomach. Oh, oh. I heard one pundit say there were no winners out of Iowa, but there was a loser. And it's it's (laughs) Joe Biden. I tell you what, I accidentally flipped by the CNN town hall last night. Who knew there was one with Uh, old Joe Biden? Sorry, I missed that. And uh, I I tell you what, man, he... uh, he he actually announced this morning or yesterday that he'd fired a staffer as if that will turn things around. That is purely for the money, people. That's for the appearance of having changed oh, really? something. So somebody had to uh, take one for the team. Right, exactly. But I you, feel, uh, off the board. I'll come up and drag you off. Oh, man. See, that's that's his firing speech. So uh, uh, anyway, I flipped on this uh, CNN town hall accidentally last night, and he if he had been... The the uh, the two term president who served uh, from 1990 to 98 and now is well into his old age, but was talking about his experiences. You'd say, you know what? He's still pretty darn sharp. But as the guy who's like heading for the office, no, he just came off as a a really old guy who's still pretty darn sharp. Well, I'll move on. You want to put an arm around him? I'll move on after this statement. But uh, and I realize this is as obvious as obvious can be, but. If he's not going to win, somebody else is going to. Oh, yeah. And who is that going to be? Food Edge Edge. Maybe. Uh, edge Edge, they say. I'm hearing from increasingly significant people. Look, we need to take a serious look at Michael Bloomberg. If you had to lay money Three-term today. Three-term mayor of New York City. If you had to lay money today, what would you say? Some sort of weird compulsory ca- casino. Uh, <laughs> 
If I had to lay money today... Welcome to Jack's Compulsory Casino. We, we, we put a gun to your head and we make right, you a vote exactly. at odd times. Black or red, you son of a bitch! I'm what? at the urinal! I don't even know how roulette works! But it's a thousand dollars of your money. You have to bet, so obviously you'd want to bet on what you think is the best no, choice because you don't want to lose your money. Oh man! Oh god! How do you bet against Bernie? I think I'd go Bernie. That's where my money is. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, although you cannot overstate the panic. In the halls of the Democratic it's Party be right too now. too late. Uh, there, I saw this sort of panic in the halls of the Republican uh, Party when, <laughs> when Trump started I, to rack up the wins, too. And I saw the most powerful people in the party say, let's get this straight. Trump is not going to be the nominee. I saw him say that on Meet the Press and all the different shows. With, with they the, had no way to stop With him. a notable difference. But first, positive, Sean. I, I had an epiphany yesterday where there was that argument where Trump is, is the right's OJ, right? He's our OJ. Was right. the, I think Bernie is the left's Trump. Okay. And it's kind of similar. The, the same sort of things are happening where the, the establishment doesn't want it. The more the establishment doesn't want it, the more people get riled up and say, yes, that's our because guy. Because they want to stick it to the old school. Yeah. There is one notable difference, though. The socialism. Trump was a, a, a jerk, not a, dem- a, a Republican loyalist, and he had some policy stuff around the edges that the Republican Party was uncomfortable with, mostly in terms of trade and globalism and that sort of thing. But it was just a little lack of overlap. Bernie has so little overlap with the moderate Democratic mainstream party and voter, he's way the hell out there. Trump was a was a, a weirdo and a firebrand in his own way, but not in terms of everything they say they are for as a party. For instance, where Trump was, is on immigration, is where most people are. Yes. According right. to most polls. Yeah, but he went against, that's a good point, he actually went against the Republican orthodoxy, not Republican voters, the Republican power structure, because they want cheap workers at their meat plants. But in terms of actual Republican voters, no, he was right in line with them. Now, I will tell you, I will concede this, it frightens me the extent to which Democratic voters are sympathetic with Bernie's vision of, of us socialist states of America. Um, but I still think he's just ideologically way outside the party, so they're even more freaked out than the Republicans were by Trump. So we need to mention that um, uh, Mitt Romney, senator from Utah, was the only Republican that voted in favor of removing Trump yesterday. It still fell, what, 21 votes short. So it, to me, it's a non-story in history, and it'll be lost to history in a week, let alone uh, 100 years from now. Yeah, but of course, since this is the 21st century, the fever pitch of hatred and or adoration heading Mitt's way is, is quite disgusting in my mind. St. Mitt of Utah said that he prayed and thought and 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 decided that he couldn't let the president get away with the infamous phone call and the investigating the Bidens and he's of course being attacked savagely uh, by Trump loyalists and and accused of all sorts of insane motives and and grandstanding and bitterness and is nobody willing to go with what seems like the most obvious Trump embarrassed him on a national stage by inviting him to the White House and then didn't give him a secretary or whatever yeah. Mitt hates him that, that that seems like a little obvious thing to me. Well, yeah, that could be. Honestly, I think my my uh, answer is even more obvious, and I think I'm right. But it's not that he's uh, some sort of sick, twisted hate, uh, little uh, bitter ball of hate. He's just wrong. Bitter ball of hate. He was just um, wrong. He was incorrect. That was not impeachable and and convictable. 
And he's wrong. The one and Mr. Trump is a con man, a fake. Well, there's that. He's, he's always thought that. So yeah. That's a good point. A good I will point. tell you this. This is the absolute example of media bias uh, of the month, maybe the year. You've heard over and over and over again that Mitt Romney crossed sides, which now makes him the absolute toast of lefty America. They could not venerate him enough, even though they called him every name they could think of and accused him of every sin and horror against women and people of color and the rest of it for tiny little innocent, like, awkward phrases during his campaign. Which we had great fun with. It's funny how the the things change. But here's your giant media bias. The second article of impeachment, obstruction of Congress was a joke. It is a joke. You had to go far and wide to find anybody with any heft who agreed that the president saying, no, we're not going to cooperate at all unless the courts tell us to, so go ahead and let's let the courts decide. The idea that that's obstruction to let the third branch mediate a dispute between the two other branches, you can't hardly find somebody to back that up. And they barely spent any time on that during the whole impeachment fracas. But you can't find one news outlet that's saying, isn't it strange that every single Democrat voted to convict on a charge that weak? Because that charge is pathetic. I mean, it is. I will go to my grave saying there is not a chance in hell if there were 99 Democratic U.S. senators, they, they should have impeached the president and removed him on that charge. Not a single Democrat said, wow, that's really weak. I think we should have let the courts decide. And you're telling me that it's only Mitt Romney had any moral courage? Oh, kiss my hiney. That's a heck of a thing to go to your grave saying, because I don't think in a week anybody will remember any of this even happened at all. Listen, you go to your grave saying what you ought to say, I'm going to mine. What is he talking about as you go to your grave? Mitt Romney was no safe. First, oh, first of all, I'm not. He was a senator 50 years ago. First of all, I'm not familiar with this going to your grave speech that we all give. But <laughs> must be something I forgot to read about. But the uh, thing with my people, <laughs> I don't think impeachment will be a topic in a week, let alone what years from now. What about the second charge of the impeachment? Which one's he talking about? Here's Johnson? The, here's the part that I find funny, though. Just the general Mitt Romney being lionized in lefty media yesterday. Yes. For his religion. You are the crowd, I guarantee you. Some of the people on cable news yesterday, well, he's a religious man and belief in God and everything like that. Very admirable. You were in the front row. You paid $1,000 to see that play from the, the South Park people that mocks Mormons. <laughs> what was that? that what <laughs> the all Tony Award-winning play, uh, The Book of Mormon. Yeah, that yes. was the hottest musical in the world. The for kick in the years. gut. And I guarantee you. Half those people on the cable news channels talking up a Mitt Romney yesterday were in the front row of that musical because it was a hot thing mocking how stupid Mormons are. Right. And yesterday is, well, Mitt Romney, a man of faith who really cares about it. Oh, whatever. Right. Give me a break. Another kick in the gut. You think religion's stupid and you think Mormonism is extra stupid. Right. But today, because Mitt Romney and his God that couldn't vote the way you, uh, the way the Republicans wanted, you right. think it's just fantastic. You're lionizing That's the hilarious. man. That's hilarious. When you try to portray him as everything from a, a racist to a misogynist to a practically a vampire when he was running against Obama, now he's your hero. I didn't know that Please. was the first time. We've had three impeachments now, and God, you'd think we'd learn our lesson. So three for three with the president staying in office, 
two of the last three because they didn't have polling back in 1868 or whenever that was. Um, uh, two of the three, the presidents left with the highest approval ratings of their presidency. Right. So I would think we'd learn something here um, on the whole impeachment thing. Uh, and, I, and I hope that's the end of that. Oh, but I didn't know this was the first time that somebody from the president's party had voted to move, remove him. Yeah, of senator, all the three yep. impeachments, it's the only time even one senator has said, yeah, I think they ought to go. But again, it'll be lost history. You're not going to hear that on CNN if you have any sense because you're not watching it. <laughs> but if you accidentally do like I did last night, you won't hear it anyway. It's 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 not meaningful. Yeah. Uh, why Kirk Douglas is a dick, I'll have to get to that at some point. Speaking of being oh, lying, he's the great, the uh, icon of Hollywood. He's hey, I'll read well from his own autobiography. Um, you know, that's that's a case of outliving your fame. If you get if you die when you're in the midst of your fame, oh man, you're a hero forever. Kind of sucks Dean, for you Jimmy and your Hendrix. family. Yeah. yeah, sucks for you and your family. But yeah. um, uh, you, but and then you die when people still remember you. That's a big one. But if you outlive your your heyday, there's an awful lot of people yesterday that saw Kirk Douglas died and thought, I I, I don't know who that is. Yeah. A lot of people. 103, his heyday was was 40 years ago. Right. So, well, his heyday was actually 70 years ago. Yes. The end of his heyday was 40 years ago. Yes. So, yeah, you don't want to outlive your fame if you're famous. Well, well and, or you, you seek your life satisfaction through family, God, friends, neighbors, uh, and, and life, and not freaking fame, which is saw, a hollow drug that kills people. He sought his satisfaction through betting starlets while he or they were married and then writing about it in a book because uh-huh. he thought it was important. Everybody should know about well, it. Well, it's important to document the, uh, document the golden age of Hollywood, <laughs> Jack, for historians. <laughs> we have much on the way. Stay here. If the results hold, not only would Buttigieg be the first openly gay candidate to win a presidential caucus, he would also be the youngest. He was born in 1982. And just to put that in perspective, Mayor Pete is younger than Justin Timberlake, Alicia Keys, Britney Spears, Chad Michael Murray, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Pac-Man, the CD player, cell phones, and Elmo, okay? Pete Buttigieg is younger than the Muppet your toddler hugs at night. Buttigieg! There you go. Well, we'll talk about it next week, maybe. Yeah, listen, uh, I've got to just assault you with just a tiny bit more politics, just to show you... I mean, we've been talking about how the big stories of the day, while they're interesting, really don't have any influence on your life, right? And yet everybody's obsessed all the time. Well, listen to this, would you? Fat Nadler and Schiff have made clear they will be subpoenaing John Bolton and others to testify at their committees about the whole Ukraine affair. They're not done. They're going to keep subpoenaing people and investigating and maybe cook up another article of impeachment, if you can believe that. Meanwhile... Will you watch that and uh, text me if you see something interesting? Meanwhile, (laughs) Senators Chuck Grassley and Johnson... Who's Johnson? Mm. Johnson. Eh, Senator Johnson. 
today requested Hunter Biden's official travel records hey from the U.S. Secret Service mm-hmm. as a part of their ongoing probe into potential conflicts of interest. A full news release is forthcoming. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin? Oh, oh there you go. Right. Oh, Ron John. They call him back on the farm. Yeah, so anyway, if you had the naive and ridiculous belief that any of this was ending, well, forget about it. Speaking of government accountability, we mentioned this briefly late in the show yesterday. The big giant Chinese website, Tencent, which is like their Amazon, kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon plus a couple other aspects. things. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, its tentacles are all over the place. They have a couple of times, it would appear, accidentally published the actual numbers of sickness and death and the rest of it from the uh, the coronavirus, and then quickly taking them down and put up the the official statistics I wonder if from the Chinese that. government. I wonder if that's an accident or on purpose. Yeah. If they're shouting out to the world, hey, this is terrible, somebody look. I, well, that's an intriguing thought, whether it's on purpose uh, by the Tencent people or the Chinese government? No, the Tencent people. I wonder. That's um, an interesting thought. So what's the Chinese government currently claiming the death toll is? Well, I tell you what, before we get to that, let me let me finish a thought. Um, number one, it's, it's worth remembering that uh, socialism, which quickly morphs into communism, demands control of information, control of you, your life, everything you do. Reject it, reject it, reject it. But... What's really interesting about both of these sets of numbers is they both follow logical and epidemiologically uh, appropriate growth rates and shrinkage rates. In other words, the big giant numbers that Tencent is putting out, briefly before they're taken down, have been rising in a logical way according to epidemiologists, doctors who study diseases. And so it would appear that these are not random, weird, inaccurate numbers. They are numbers that are growing like the numbers would grow. And um, likewise, the, the official lying government numbers are, are growing in that way, too. But for instance, the government is saying 304 deaths, and Tencent briefly put out all, just under 25,000 deaths. And more than 10 times as many infections as well. And then when they accidentally did it a second time, like I said, the, the, the death rate and the infection rate had risen at an appropriate level from their original. Oh, sorry. Uh, those numbers were inaccurate. Those were, uh, I don't know, the uh, sales figures for, uh, yeah, 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 I don't know, uh, fidget spinners. Yeah, that's what those numbers are. Except they're in a discernible pattern. So, so the theory kind of being that they're keeping both the accurate real numbers and the government stated numbers, and they have those two separate files, and just sometimes they, they quote-unquote, accidentally release the wrong My ones. only question is, I get why the government is keeping two sets of books. Yeah. One for dissemination and one for their internal, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God meetings. I don't get why Tencent has accent, access to it. Well, but if, if they're the nation's largest social media company, well, why they would have access to the real numbers, you're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I see what you mean. Anyway. So 25,000? Oh, oh. Yeah, that's what they're saying. 25,000 plus in, dead. Like I said yesterday, in a country of 1.4 billion, that's uh, not surprising. 
So I, I flipped on Nakedly Progressive Radio this morning, and uh, they were doing a featurette from my alma mater, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which has had for a hundred years a large number of Chinese nationals as students there. I happen to live right next door to the big Chinese dorm. And the story, you know, most stories on NPR are about who you should feel sorry for. It's just story after story after story of who you're supposed to feel sorry for. In this case, it was Chinese students who people are looking cross-eyed at because they're afraid of getting the coronavirus, including their fellow Chinese students. And my favorite quote was this one Chinese gal who came from uh, Wuhan, that city where uh, they're just up to their... Wuhan is the way I'd pronounce if I lived there. As do the local rappers. But um, they're up to their eyeballs in the coronavirus there in Wuhan. And, and she came back and said she's having trouble getting a ride and her, her Chinese friends won't talk to her. And, and the reporter said, and she reports that she feels a sense of unease and not belonging. I was thinking, I felt like that since I was six years old. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> did you get to do a national broadcast about... Uh, he feels uh, alienated sometimes, and like he he doesn't uh, understand why people have more friends. It is, you know, it's, 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 what? That's God, funny. would you cut it up? Oh, so some Chinese girl feels a vague sense of not belonging while she's in college. Well, stop the presses. <laughs> Shame, honey. Put on a mask and try not to breathe in the coronavirus. Speaking of colleges, the college campuses are getting weirder, weirder, not more normal. We've got that, among other stories, on the way. 